Welcome to EWA's FinLit Podcast. EWA is a fee-only RIA based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We hope all listeners of this podcast will benefit as we deep dive into uh, complex financial topics that we will make simplified for you. And we hope that this really serves as a catalyst so that you can make the best financial planning decisions uh, for your family and also save time. Welcome, everybody. Uh, this week, I'm super excited. We have one of our most successful clients has agreed to join us, and his name is Brian Leposky. And Brian and I have been friends for over a decade. Uh, Brian, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having, on, having me on. Yeah, so crazy story how we first met. It, I remember I was uh, graduating from Geneva College. I was supposed to be studying for my CPA exam, going to Deloitte, and one of my buddies was like, hey, I'm making all this money selling cable. And he explained how much, and I was like, wow, I could like pay off my student loans in the summer, which I did, and that's how we met. So share your perspective of that, because I'm sure that's one of your first starts and <laughs> how I learned you were such a, a great an entrepreneur and hustler. First summer in this industry, and I mean, when I look back to you know where I'm at today, it, it really started throughout that first you know summer, first year in, in the direct sales business. And you know, my memory working, obviously, alongside you was Penn State trip. Uh, you know, college rush, I, I think they called it with Comcast and, you know, signing up all the college students for internet cable and, you know, getting to work all the, the bookstores and, you know, obviously mixing in some good fun in that that time as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I really look back, I mean, that was the start of something that I, I probably at the time did not realize where it would lead. You know, like you, you know, we, we looked more so at it as like a summer opportunity. You know, I was going back to school um, you know, uh, you were, I believe, graduating at that time, studying for your, your Series 6, Series 7. Um, and, you know, I ended up going back to school. And then, you know, that kind of took me into a, a direction um, for the next year um, that I was still kind of weighing, hey, is this something I, I want to do forever? Um, and then I, I think what really clicked is when I went to Delaware. Um, you know, I went to Delaware, you know, had the opportunity to build a market um, you know, and seen the more professional side of the business and, you know, felt a part of something. And, you know, where that really led um, was, you know, being able to be surrounded by a lot of entrepreneur-minded people, you know, being able to see opportunity to work with, you know, Walmart, being able to work with the college rush opportunities, as well as working with clients on, you know, territory management. And, you know, I think at that time too, you know, we were coming you know, off the recession, you know, it was still 2010, 2011. And there were a lot of people that were just phenomenal talents, you know, graduating from great universities. And, you know, when I looked back, they were making 35, 50 grand a year. And, you know, I remember talking with the, the CEO of that time, um, you know, speaking with him and, you know, among others and saying, you know, is this all that's out there? You know, and these were talented people. So what we realized is, you know, let's go on offense. And, you know, we started going after a lot of great, talented people, showing them the opportunity and growing out market share. And, you know, it, it just kind of turned into a whirlwind, if you will, um, in, a, in a great way. Uh, we became, you know, Comcast number one vendor. Um, you know, and we took a lot of pride in that. You know, I know a lot of us did. And, you know, um, you know, I was definitely fortunate to work for, you know, somebody that I considered a mentor, you know, and, and being able to teach me a lot of the ins and outs of business. And, you know, you know, allowing me to experience a lot of other aspects of life too. So yeah, that first summer, um, you know, where it really stemmed, um, you know, it was pretty awesome to look back because um, didn't know where that would turn, but it, it's gone a good route. No so. question. Well, now before we talk about, you know, you being in your 30s, being one of the most successful business owners I know, managing hundreds of, of over 100 team members um, and the success you've, you know, helped them bring into their lives, Let's go back to your childhood. You know, what made you, I see you as, you know, one of the most hardworking and entrepreneurial based individuals I've ever met. So, yeah. you know, what, bring us early on, what happened in your childhood? Who, what shaped you into who you are today? So I would have to say, you know, a, a big aspect to our business, you know, is, is not having turnover. And, you know, what I would always accredit that to is, you know, the neighborhood in which I grew up in, um, it was so tight knit, um, you know, whether we got into fights growing up and I, I'm talking the group that I grew up with from when I was, I mean, there's pictures of us at one, two years old. 
we were all neighbors. We all lived on, you know, the Diller Ave, if, if everyone called it. And, you know, we were all athletes. You know, we all played football, we all played basketball, baseball, track, you know, whatever it was. But we were so competitive. But no matter what, no matter what disagreements, we always, you know, end of the day, we ended up on the same street hanging out, um, you know, played sports together all through, you know, middle school, high school, you know, cheered each other on throughout the college years, you know, spent time and we're always there, you know, no matter what. And I think that's so deeply rooted in me that, you know, whenever I work with people and get to work with people in business, clients, see people going through a hard time, it kind of takes me back to that root of understanding, you know, and, you know, I, I will say I was in the middle of that age group and, you know, there were uh, a group of older um, you know, guys that I grew up with that were really good to me and, you know, you know, kept me honest and, you know, kept me out of trouble. Um, and then it was kind of like that mindset of, hey, everything you learn, you pass down. And it's the same way in business. You know, yeah, yeah, I believe, you know, people should, you know, pass down knowledge as what much as they, you know, respect those, you know, that are doing it now and learn from them. So Absolutely. that's part of it. Um, the, the next part, you know, is, is work ethic. You know, I have to relay to my dad. I mean, my dad worked six to seven days a week, you know, still does been with Goodyear, I think 44 years now. Wow. Um, hard to imagine people staying with companies that long in today's day and age. And, you know, through that, um, the, the next aspect of that on, on the entrepreneur side would be my uncle. Um, so my uncle owned a lot of, uh, sports merchandise stores and, you know, had a lot of, um, partnerships with the NCAA, um, and professional sports leagues. So he did, you know, hats, jerseys, you know, t-shirts and went to all the final fours. And, you know, growing up, I'd go to his store and he ended up buying a, a storefront on 6th Street, um, right next to where Oliver Twist is mm. in, in the Pittsburgh. Yep. And, you know, at that time, I think I was 11 or 12 years old and I wanted to work for him. He took me down and let me be involved in it. But I started seeing people at the corners doing vending. I'm like, well, what, what's going on here? And at that time, you know, PNC Park, you know, it was newly built, you know, and put into the city. And uh, previous to that, you know, we did Three Rivers. So what my uncle said is, you know, hey, if, if you want to stand out on the street, you know, you could sell water and peanuts. And from when I was 12 years old, I would go there. And, you know, I always joke here, I then moved my spot up probably illegally up to the Clemente bridge, um, one corner and we didn't have a vendor's license for that, you know, at the time, but I was so young, you know, people would just kind of let me be. And at that point in time, I then, you know, really built my hub in front of my uncle's store. And, you know, I would sell water and peanuts out there. And I, you know, the summer after, I think when I was 14, 15 at this age, and then especially the driving ages, what I realized was there was opportunity to buy out the market so I went to all the big lots and this is where everyone was getting the peanuts from. And my margin on them, I'll still remember was two thirteen a bag. I sold them for $3 in the stadium. I think there were seven. Mine were bigger. They were better. And I went out and bought out all the big lots in the greater Pittsburgh real, area. Real, how old were you? 16, 17. I you mean, I remember you filling- You created a monopoly at 16 years old. Yeah. And I remember the one <laughs> vendor came over and like went ballistic on me. <laughs> My uncle came out, said he's only 16 years old, you know, he, he, you know, and it was a memory that I'll never forget. And I didn't, you know, back down. I was like, hey, buddy, you know, this is this, you know, free country, you know, if, you know, I went out and I built relationships with the store managers. So when they'd get these shipments in of these peanuts, they would call me, we would go and get them, you know, help if, you know, I was playing baseball at the time. So maybe my, sometimes my mom or dad at night would go drive, pick them up, my uncle. And then at that point in time, um, you know, we'd go up Sam's Club by the water. It was like 87 cents profit margin, you know, on that water, you know, and I, I still remember that, you know, to be able to sell. And again, in the stadiums, it was like $3, you know, to, you know, at that time. And I was selling them for a dollar. So I, I always seen a need. And, and this drives back to the cable side of the business. This drives back to what I did with water and peanuts and what I do now in solar. I look for opportunities where, the product already exists. You could just actually help people save money while also making money and it being fair for both parties. You know, cable, people already had it that we were speaking to. We, you remember, we were saving them money. It's, you know, we were able to save people during a recession $1,000 a year to somebody that might only be taking home 30 grand a year. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. 
Absolutely. You know, I remember, you know, we were basically to put it in context, we're getting people to switch from Verizon, which is the hot thing at the time back to Comcast. And obviously people were mad at Comcast because of customer service or whatever. And so we had this special deal. We'd get them like 90 bucks a month for the triple play. And it was, you know, some, some of the people were paying 300 bucks a month. So we're paying 1000, 2000. So it was, it, it honestly, it, that summer, in my sales and communication, it probably gave me like five years of experience just going through objections, yeah. getting in the door, getting people comfortable enough. You know, once you're in the door, they always taught you the sale was like 10x more likely. So it was, it was powerful stuff. But just to add that, we were, I didn't know how similar we were. I, I was selling something when I was like at five years old. My, my brother and I would cut up dandelions. This is in Indiana. And um, I don't think my parents could afford a haircut back then. So we had like these bowl cuts. So every, if you see a picture of me, the first thing you'd ask is, were you, I didn't know you were Amish. Were you Amish? <laughs> I had that question like a thousand times. But so I think people just felt sorry for us. They bought these dandelions for like four cents. You obviously had it much figured out because people actually needed peanuts and not dandelions. But that's cool stuff. Yeah. Well, let's go sure. right into, so where you are today. Um, you've gone through some re- rebranding. So lifestyle. Um, give us a, just a high level overview, you know, who are you guys? What do you do? Why are you so passionate about this on a day to day basis? Cause every time yeah. we talk about it, I feel like you're, you know, the energy is just there in the room. Yeah. I think, you know, somebody, uh, the other day just described our company. They said at any given time, there could be a meeting worth a, a ton of opportunity and, and revenue, but there's just, you know, also somebody in the office just whether it's playing ping pong, doing cartwheels or, or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, I, I got think a we, great space. Great yeah. Space. And, and we try to have fun and, you know, we have a lot of amazing professionals down there, you know, uh, you know, an amazing um, group of people that have really passionately helped grow that company. Um, you know, what we do is we solve people's problems, you know, their deregulation. Um, I think, you know, express that, you know, over the last, 20 years when, you know, states started being able to pick their energy. Um, but the solar boom um, over the last 10, 10 years has been real. And Lifestyles put ourselves into a position to capitalize on that. Um, so what we've done is we've partnered with a company for the last, you know, four odd, five years, I guess, um, Palmetto. Um, and we've grown with them. Um, they're one of the fastest growing, you know, companies, let alone solar companies in the U.S., um, you know, their CEO, their their senior management has been just absolutely terrific growing with our company. And, you know, I think it's helped establish a lot of people's careers and, you know, the, the not only let alone the Pittsburgh market, but, you know, we installed in 12 states last year and it's led to a lot of other opportunities and I'm, you know, I'm sure we'll get to discuss today. Yeah, that's incredible. So, um, the solar, obviously there's a huge push, uh, and concern, for you know, energy sources in America and a lot of companies as well um, with ESG movement. So obviously, you're forefront of that. How have these? How have you seen the marketplace respond to it? And what would you say is the opportunity so far? Like, how many people have converted over to solar um, as a percentage? You know that in America. So it's only roughly at like a two percent conversion rate right now. Of all of America, I mean, there's still Are you serious. Yeah, there's 98% still percent of. Yeah, and Matt, you have to remember, there's so many new homes being built in America every year. So that stays at two percent. Yeah, so it's that's crazy. You know, and that's why there's other areas of the industry that I'm very happy to see are growing. You know, and a lot of um, a, a lot of people pushing for changes. You know, I seen an article the other day. Um, you know, our school system, you know, Pennsylvania schools, adding solar to their rooftops would be a, a phenomenal way to create more renewable energy. Um, couldn't agree more. And, you know, that's what's exciting is, you know, when I started in this space to seeing where it's grown and, you know, adopted to net today, people are just so much more receptive on all sides of it. You know, people see the benefits, um, you know, whether environmental, whether financial, you know, whether technology-based, so it's a industry that's here to stay and it's something that has created so many jobs and you know it's i believe a myth that it's taking away jobs um you mm-hmm. know because in a lot of facets it, it's you know the utilities are still needed you know they're operating with the net metering policies in so many of these states um 
you know, to being able to allow solar to work. So both sides are, are needed and, you know, for many years to come. Well, let's talk about this from a, a consumer perspective real quick. So if I were thinking about solar, like what would be your pitch to me to consider moving, you know, my personal residence to yeah. solar? And then we'll get really into the fun side of what you and I love discussing on the business side. Um, so, yeah, to cut yeah. right to it, Matt, I mean, if you're a homeowner, let's say your your average electricity bill right now is $100 a month, you know, wish, we would come yeah. in there with a price point anywhere from, you know, 80 to $110, depending on the sunlight hours your home's able to get and the offset from day one, your bill is locked in there. And, you know, I believe the national average over the last three years of electricity has gone up 14%. So your utility bill goes up 14%, let's say over the next five years total. You're now at a 114 with your utility, where if you signed up with solar, you'd still be at 80 or $110, wherever you got locked in at. So you never have to stress the pain points that homeowners do when these utility rates change. You know, and, and my my standpoint is always going to be simple. When your utility rate goes up, you know, the, the one utility that we work with, 33%, their rate just went up, okay? One year, you know, 50%, um, a Ohio utility just went up pretty, you know, pretty substantial, Um you know, so when you look at that, you can't go into your employer and say, hey, I need a 50% raise on two hours pay a week, you know, to make up that gap. You know, it doesn't work that way. So, you know, I think with growing inflation, you know, it's allowed a lot of, you know, Americans and, you know, people all over the world to recognize if they could lock in their rate into anything that's also doing good by the environment. It's a no-brainer. Do I do I owe anything up front for that, or is that a payment? So no. What what's the structure of uh, of locking in that rate? Obviously, so like the the solar panels go on, and now the energy is created through the sunlight. I'm yeah. And so there's a few qualifications. You know, people have to have a credit score um, to to get solar financed, right? Okay. So it's a zero dollars out of pocket as long as you have a six forty plus credit score and. That score has, has come down over the years as well to make it even easier on homeowners to get. Um, you have to have a qualified roof. You know, we, we check to see that your structure could hold everything. So there's a full engineering blueprint done at no cost to the homeowner. And then from that standpoint, uh, we're able to put solar on somebody's home at no upfront cost. And, Interesting. And then have the monthly payment similar to what they were paying, but have it locked in. It's replacing a payment. Okay. That's and then is there a point where that payment stops because then the panels are paid off? Is that amortized over a certain amount of years? There is. Yeah. So, you know, these um, finance options could be anywhere from 15 um, up to 25 years. Um, we have bumper to bumper warranty options on, you know, everything that we do. Um, so your, you know, product is protected throughout that time. And, you know, it, again, I mean, for it's a no brainer. That's yeah. awesome. So, okay. So you're doing similar work that we were doing from the cable. It's really, I mean, we weren't talking about, I remember in the Comcast days, we weren't talking about, hey, this is better service or anything. We say, hey, what could you do with an extra thousand, two thousand bucks? We talk about the vacations they want to take. And then we talk about, you know, the channels are all the same. We have this really simple conversation. It seems very similar now. Some people are going to be environmental conscious. Some people mm -hmm. not. Either way, whether they are, they're not, you're saving people money long term. Absolutely. Okay, that's cool. And so you're able to do this for the masses. This isn't for the. This could be for high net worth. This could be for you know someone in a hundred thousand dollar home. This could be in someone in a million dollar home. It's similar conversations. We have customers in all tax brackets. I could leave it there. Yeah, I mean that's great. This this is for anybody that's a homeowner has that six forty credit plus credit uh, threshold. We're able to help you know be able to get locked into a rate and and you know know exactly where that predictable price is going to be. Okay. So I guess that brings us to the next point. Let's go back to lifestyle. So how many people are part of lifestyle now? How many uh, team members do you have? So we're roughly, I believe, 145 people, wow. 150 right now, between the contracting side and the sales side. Okay. So you do the sales and you actually do the installs. Yeah, that was a, a new division. Um, you know, we just broke over, I believe, 90 installs this year. Um, wow. It was a new division that we were able to put into place, um, new company, if you will, that we got to start. And, you know, it's become very successful in the first year. Um, we have an amazing, amazing team 
overseeing that um, with years of experience that, you know, really seeing the vision of growing with lifestyle, our company culture, our team culture. And, you know, I believe, you know, we've built a very friendly place for people to call home. That's awesome. So let's talk about that more specifically. So the majority of those, how many of the team members are in sales out of the 140? So uh, we're about 125 on sales, sales only. Okay. Um, then we have, you know, obviously our staff um, that, you know, helps out on, you know, just overseeing the business. And then from that point, you know, we have, we're up to, I believe, 12 crew members on the installation side. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, so what I've noticed is when, you know, you've encourage some of your team members to, you know, work with our company. And it, it always blows me away with just how well they're doing. Mm-hmm. So how, you know, and, I'll, and then I further look at, well, what's their backgrounds? And a lot of them have no sales experience. Um, you know, we're doing something completely different, making that thirty-five to 50000 a year. Now, you know, is it safe to say that most people in your company that are in sales are over six figures? I would say... We looked at this, about 50% of our company is is pushing over a six-figure margin. Um, you know, I believe our highest earner last year was a little under a million, um, you know, followed by a few in the, the sevens and sixes. Um, and, you know, we've had a lot of people, you know, push upwards of 100, you know, 200s, 300s. And, you know, we have others that are 50, 60, 70. Um, you know, even with that, you know, we have some people that are semi-retired, um, you know, I think a great story is, you know, we've, I believe, two retired school teachers. One of them was, was a science teacher. Wow. Um, you know, and I believe made about 70 grand last year, you know, and this was a position I, I believe, you know, he had mentioned he would do for free, you know, just super passionate. He just loves talking to, to people and saving people money. Passionate about renewable energy. Oh, just, okay. Yeah, just that's crazy cool. passion. And, you know, and that that's where I, I think it's, awesome to see, you know, we're very strong on, you know, speaking to our homeowners when we get into that home on, on our why, you know, why do we do this? Why are we in their home and individualizing that? And, you know, we have so many different voices and personalities as a company. So, you know, being able to understand why people are doing this, you know, whether it be, you know, the money side and, and cap- capitalizing on an industry that, you know, the government and many of these states are, are pushing on or the environmental impact that it's pushing on, um, the price protection that it's pushing on, um, you know, and being able to really drive that that why home inside these homes is, is just incredible. So what's incredible to me, and I'm just sorry, I'm so focused on this, these these numbers, like- Well, you see it. Fifth, yeah, well, I see it, and so I know it, and so I have inside scoop, inside. Um, so 50% of your salespeople are over six figures. So how do you do it? How do you train these people? How do you motivate them? Um, you know, that's obviously, that's all commission, right? So the, the reason I ask is I think there's there's somewhat of an epidemic out there with inflation and, you know, a lot of people, they, they go to school and take all the school debt and then suddenly, you know, they're stuck in a job that they'll never get out of school debt with. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is obviously something, you know, you have a lot of college graduates. You probably have some people that have just, you know, shredded out of high school. So talk to us about the culture and how do you, how long is the training program? Uh, yeah, and I guess just how do how do your people do so well? I mean, is it the culture? Is it the training? Do you have a selection process where you can weed out who's motivated, who's not? What's your secrets? all the above? You know, and I'm happy to kind of walk through that. You know, so we great. we do have full time recruiters. Um, you know, we always want recruiters that have actual industry experience, so they're recruiting people in, um, and they know what they're we're talking about because they've done it. Um, so they're giving, you know, real life experience and, and feedback. So when people ask questions, you know, what's the job going to entail? They're honest and they give their opinion on what they've done um, to that. Now we go through a two round interview process where we are very strong in vetting out um, candidates that, you know, are not going to be a good fit for them. First and foremost, mm-hmm. um, big believer of, you know, not recruiting people in that is going to benefit the company or, or the, the people hiring them, but we have to be the person first benefiting them. Um, second to that is our managers make the final decision. You know, they do the final interview, uh, making sure, you know, the culture is a fit, uh, making sure that, you know, the opportunity is a fit. And from that, you know, they're put onto, you know, 
what I believe is one of the best solar sales trainers in the industry. You know, our, our director of, of sales training is just phenomenal. Um, is that Dennis? It's Jesse Burke. It, oh, it's Jesse, Jesse Burke. Okay. Yeah. So Jesse and, and Dennis would attest to that. I mean, just is incredible. And, you know, when he runs his training, he takes pure passion in it, um, you know, from tonality to his presence um, to his passion. And, you know, I think he's been a big aspect, um, you know, to that training platform. You know, it's week one, you know, we have virtual training. Um, you know, we put people into a Zoom. It's, you know, first day is getting them all set up with our company tools, um, understanding our company, our culture, um, you know, who's who. And then from that point, you know, Tuesday, they're going to go out and do field observation with people that are proven earners here. So shadowing someone actually doing the sales. Yeah. So they're going to get That's to cool. physically see either sales or, or actual uh, canvassing, um, you know, shadowing events, whatever it may be. And from that point, they're back with Jesse Wednesday and Friday. And then they're with Jesse for the first nine weeks of their time here. So they get to go on to a rookie training ongoing, get feedback. Um, be able to have a uh, safe place to ask questions every week, you know, where they are among all other rookies and, you know, feel comfortable asking, you know, the one-off questions on how to log into something or, you know, how to add a cosigner and, you know, then go to their supervisors for the areas where they want to be able to continue to grow. And, you know, through that, you know, we do a graduation, you know, uh, presentation for them, Jesse does. And, you know, they're in it and, you know, we've seen a big step up in, you know, those, you know, rookie energy consultants coming on board along with those that were in the solar industry already and came over even into leadership day one and them going through our training. They said they've learned more through our full training and company meetings, you know, than the time then when many of them have been owners of solar companies, Wow. you know, because there was just gaps that they weren't understanding. And, you know, I think that is the compounding effect. You know, when you ha company grows, you know, and I look back when a company is 10 people, you don't learn as much when it's only 10 people because there's not as many problems to learn from. Where you get up to 100 plus people, we have problems every day that arise. And when those problems arise with one, we address it with everyone, mm. you know, because it's something probably everyone's kind of feeling at that classroom effect. Perspective is everything. Yeah. So it, it's been a uh, exciting thing. And then from that, and this is definitely our blend model, we've been able to put into a, a place, uh, and this is something we've done since 2020, and I, I really think is the reason we've grown over 100% year over year. We make sure a leader is with a new hire for their first six to eight deals, depending on their learning curve. And what that's done has helped a lot of people work with confidence that the work they're doing as far as prospecting, they're going to be able to have people help explain the process well enough to solidify into actually getting installed. Mm. What we find a lot of times in this industry is, you know, people historically have chased opportunity to make the most money they could off of a deal and they want none of the support. So then they, and I always call it the genie effect. You know, the genie comes in the bottle and the handcuffs. Hey, you have all the money. There you go. Good luck. And they don't know anything. So you can have be paid the most money in the world on a deal, but if you do zero, it's still zero dollars. And then they come over and they realize quickly, you know, the model is, is built, you know, and I always say like a Ferrari's engine, we're built to move forward. And, and we have a lot of um, effort put into what makes it beautiful, you know, whether it be the sound of, the, of that engine or the power. So That's incredible. Mm -hmm. I've always heard you need to tell team members things seven times for it to really go mm -hmm. through. So that six to eight is right in line with, you know, making sure they have the reps, the objections, and the confidence to, to get, get things done on their own. Well, incredible culture you've, you've built there. So let's talk on the business side. So... We've we've had many you know financial planning meetings and you've built such a high growth incredible company you know we've we've talked about how easy it would be you know to to sell the company and for you and many others to be financially independent for life so your answer is always the same I've been asking to you for public to hear why do you say no to that I think it comes back to that childhood right um, 
when there's a change of ownership, there's definitely opportunity for, you know, people to lose positions. Any company I've ever seen, you know, bought, there's a lot of people that typically have to go away because people are like, hey, there's already a position here for that. We're not going to pay two. Um, equally to that, you know, I bring it back to our culture. You know, we have fun in doing what we do. And, you know, it, it's my biggest belief is looking back, I always was, uh, I've been asked this over the last couple of years, you know, if things went backwards, would you still do what you do? And I say absolutely, because I have fun doing what I do. I have fun with the people I work with. And, you know, I think money has come second um, to to where I'm at. You know, I, I believe, you know, there's opportunity. I could sell the company, make a lot of money from doing that right now. Um, there's been opportunity over the last couple of years to do that. But, you know, I don't feel like our work is done here, number one. Um, you know, our companies continue to grow. Um, two, you know, I think this comes down to, you know, several pro, pro athletes I've talked to over the years, you know, and, and when some of them have chosen to walk away maybe from the game earlier or, you know, latest they could, you do something when you're having fun, you know, and I'm, I'm having a blast. I love working with the people I work with. Um, you know, I want to continue to grow with those that are working with our company. And, you know, like you've seen some new people you know, it's kind of that next up mentality. And I've said this to our leaders, we don't know the lives will change over the next two to five years. You know, I look at it, there could be somebody that's a sophomore at Penn State right now that don't know it yet, but they're going to end up working here in four or five years from now when they graduate, have an amazing opportunity, amazing career that they will also be able to pass down to other people. And that's kind of the stuff that just makes me tick um, is the understanding and growth that this company has, you know, given me from a personal level, um, in a professional level and the opportunity it's given to others personally, professionally, financially, you know, and being able to continue to see their growth and buying houses, buying, you know, cars, you know, um, having children, you know, whatever that is, you know, I think those are all signs that they feel stable. Um, you know, and I would love them to know and, you know, equally, you know, you've asked me this question, you know, we're here to stay, you know, you know, it would be tough to take us out. <laughs> yeah, no question. Um, especially with the growth. So this is the toughest question, just so you know, full disclosure, like I couldn't answer this myself, but like if you were forced to sell, if you were forced to not be able to work, still healthy, happy, money's not a concern, how would your time be spent then? Probably be driving my wife nuts. Um, Agreed. That's number one. You know, Matt, I, I'm somebody that always is going to look at things on, you know, what could I do to, to help with the problem? You know, I, I just, my mind just works like that. I, I don't know what I'd do. I mean, I, yeah, I have some interests, some hobbies, but those last about two days. And I always bring it up. I tell my wife, when I go, I was just in Aruba. And I think after 48 hours of being there, I'm ready to go home. Like, it's like, I got the experience. I'm on the beach. I got to see the water, got to go in, got to go to the pole. I, okay. I got to experience it. What's next. Um, you know, and I just, I've always been one of those people. I, I don't go away a lot on vacations, you know, so that's kind of the answer that I'd probably go crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm there with you, brother. Um, so, you know, with, <clears throat> with highly motivated, highly successful individuals like yourself, there's these paradoxes that come up, right? Like the high achievers, exactly what you just said you're growing it's very purpose-driven we you know it's obvious um how do you manage stress and how do you manage yourself into you know at some points balancing the different aspects of your life because there's obviously you've got the growth 100 percent year over year down how do you manage your personal life you know you're expecting your first child here in yeah. a couple months how do you do this and what advice would you have for other business owners not to get so you know, lopsided in just one aspect of life? So first and foremost, I would say find outlets that are also additionally CEOs, you know, and I feel even in this case, you've been one of those outlets, you know, the other people that are likely going through some of the same pain points or have gone through. And I would say, you know, there's a group of four or five people outside of my workplace um, that I would, you know, say are kind of 
people that I go to um, to talk and talk shop and ask some ideas, weigh pros and cons, and then equally, you know, if you will, vent down to, um, you know, where to that point, understanding. And they, they you know, one thing I will say, I always get great perspective on things, especially, you know, two that come to mind, you know, that have ran big opportunities and big companies. And, you know, throughout the years, things that have stressed me out maybe six years ago, I don't really even bat an eyelash at now. Mm. So you start, you know, realizing that heart is a muscle, you know, your brain's a muscle. It, it develops and understands as time goes, you know, to understand what should and should not affect you. Um, and I think that's always important perspective in turn with, you know, f falling back to what you're thankful for and, and that faith, you know, and that's a big, big one for me. Um, you know, we got weighed on an opportunity last July as a company and, you know, we made a decision, my wife and I, we, you know, sat down and, you know, it was a very stressful one. It was a financial one that you and I spoke through heavily, um, you know, and we were uh, asked to take on a supply chain adder and, you know, the options that we had and, you know, were to pass that down to our whole team or for us to take that on as a company. And I remember sitting with um, my wife and saying, you know, if you could tell me I'm in a position I'm in with working with such amazing people, would I do this if, if I had to give that up? And then we, we sat on deck and I, I realized, yeah, I mean, it, it was like, came very clear. I loved what I, and it comes back to what I sell. And I realized like, I love working with the people I'm working with. I'm working for them. And, you know, we decided to take that on and we followed that by the largest sales quarter we ever had. We broke all the records um, for our vendor in which we worked with. Um, and it really put us onto a, another level in the eyes of a lot of people um, with both our client and the industry. So it allowed me to find ways that, you know, stress you could turn into a very good thing long-term and you could learn from it. And, you know, that's where, you know, my advice to anybody as an entrepreneur is don't allow any stressful opportunity to push you out. You know, there, there, you have to go into business with the mindset that you're ready to take on challenging, you know, times, you know, and find a inner circle even before going into business and let them know it's not going to be today, but hey, if I call you in a year from now, would love you to give me your ear um, and your perspective, you know, and equally pay that back to other people, you know, as you grow. I heard from a mentor recently, you and I talked about this before, but like there's going through college, you kind of forecast these big things and you say, my life will be better when I graduate or my life will be better when I pay off my school loans or my life will be better when I'm married. Or, my life will get better when my kid is born. And the life goes on and on, especially if you're a business owner. <clears throat> what I found and what this, this mentor said is, you know, life never gets easier. <laughs> Money doesn't change anything. What, what happens is life gets harder, but you just learn how to deal with hard better. And it becomes, like you said, the heart and the brain. It becomes a muscle, and big things are, aren't big things anymore. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? You found that to be true? Yeah, and I think past that, and this is the other aspect, and I think you know, you being in your line of work, financial advising, and you could probably speak to this, is money gives you more options. With more options comes more temptation. Um, with more options, you know, it comes with more distractions. And I think the, the goal is to keep it, to keep it growing and to be able to really understand, to keep your, your standstill, you know, and, and where you're at, you know, don't allow, you know, I, I think Tony Robbins has always said money doesn't change people, it magnifies who they always were. Mm. And I agree with that that's very much one. so, yeah. right? And, you know, that's where I would say I've always still, my tight-knit group of friends I grew up with, they're still my tight-knit group of friends. You know, there's opportunity, you know, and I, I think I see a lot of young entrepreneurs, um, you know, they find success, let's say, in the city of Pittsburgh, and they want to go get a penthouse in Miami right away. And they leave where they found their success because of their temptation for a better life or a better this. And then they find that things go backwards where their income came from. And then they're, you know, caught juggling, if you will. You how know, do you stay so focused 
both on a personal level and a business level? Because there's there's opportunities every day. There's purchases you can make every day. So do you have a do you have some kind of strategy or system in place when business opportunities come in, whether you know it's a yes or a no? So it depends what it is. So I'm very, very hardened on listening to business opportunities unless I know somebody that is in my inner circle or somebody very valid is in that business opportunity. Otherwise, I a lot of times will view it as a distraction from a growing company. Um, I think the best investment, and you know this, that you can make is your time. Mm-hmm. You know, it, money could always be made up, but time cannot. And, you know, I've learned from other people's mistakes maybe where I've seen them find opportunity, you know, and let's say it was lifestyle, I found opportunity. And I would say, well, if I'm making this opportunity, I could go start a whole nother company, a whole nother industry and start, you know, presenting half my time there, half my time here. Well, lifestyle goes backwards by 50%. And that company grows by 100%, but 100% growth of a new business might be minimal revenue. Mm-hmm. 50% decrease at a higher revenue business could become to the point where it puts you out of business. And that's where I, you know, I'm very, very um, honest with where I'm giving my time and very structured in that way, Matt. You know, I have a very hard schedule. It starts with Sundays. You know, I spend about three hours a week on Sunday mornings working. I'm writing out everything I want to accomplish in the week, writing out my schedule for the week, um, identifying, you know, uh, opportunity to even box things five minutes apart, you know, meetings where, you know, somebody, you know, is coming in and immediately have another meeting coming in. Um, So, you know, I think that's been very valuable to me and, you know, how I've spent my time. Um, Now, as far as other outside investments, you know, I I get asked, you know, on a weekly basis, you know, about opportunities, um, you know, from, you know, vehicles to, you know, real estate to watches. And, you know, it's something that, I, again, have perimeters, um, things I will do or won't do based on what I already knew I wanted. If it's there, it's an immediate yes. If it's not that, it's an immediate no. Awesome. So, um, I think one of my main jobs for you know clients that are, are on the end of the accumulation stage is the it's kind of the paradox again. The best savers can become the worst spenders. And when you're saving, saving, and evaluating opportunities, you know, a lot of times we have to unravel chaos on people's balance sheets. So... Um, I can tell you're focused. That's why you're, you know, running a, a company. I and mean, a lot of people, I think, with the notification-filled life that we live in, it's it's all distractions feel normal, but they just take their distractions. So it it's really evident you have that figured out. Um, well, I want to make sure you know we're providing value for all listeners. So thank you for all the perspective so far. So I mm-hmm. want to ask you. Let's talk about a lot of our clients right now that are older, retired, or thinking about retired. But they're really worried about their kids and. Um, there's these cycles I think that the generations go through. I, I forget the quote, but it's like the hard times create hard people and then hard people create soft times, soft times mm-hmm. create soft. And it's like, it's like this cycle that's like, so if you were to give advice to a kid coming out of college right now, that's an ambitious go getter, you know, wants to be a, a, a one percenter like you are in their thirties, what are some tips you would give to them? Uh, mm-hmm. Put down social media. It starts there. Uh, do not allow social media from TikTok to Instagram to Facebook distract you. Um, you know, I think in a lot of that er- that age group, this influencer mentality has you know created a lot of people to want to go jump into whether it be self help seminars with people that are not established mm-hmm. to wanting to jump into. You know, creating three businesses because drop shipping is the next boom, but they don't know what they want to get into there. They don't have a business plan. Um, and, you know, I think when I say put the phone down, you want to get to know your classmates that you're graduating with. You know, get to know them on a deeper level, get to know their interests, their likes, you know, get to know what they're looking to get into in their career because that is your network that you're going to actually be able to push on into your 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, and their network could become your network, and your network could become their network. And I think a lot of times people use social media to sit there and think, I'm going to network, 
But, you know, I look at mine and there's people that I'm friends with on there that I have not spoke to in 10 years. And if I had reached out to them for business or, you know, even to maybe go get, you know, uh, something to eat for dinner, they would be like, why am I messaging them? Because it was never a real established message or, or, or friendship. It was more, you know, following an interest or following a an era, if you will, that somebody was doing. And, you know, and that's, that's my advice um, is you have to get to know people, listen, you know, to what they want to do and, you know, become that person that's a little bit, maybe even looked at as an oddity. And it's like, why is this person wanting to talk to me and not send me Snapchats and not send me this, just get to know people. And, you know, I think that's going to build perspective with people that you're going against the grain. Um, don't kind of just fall in line with the, the social media era. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome advice. Um, so for our, <clears throat> our business owner clients, our aspiring business owner, future entrepreneurs, you lead a company of 140 people. So that, in my opinion, of running a business is, you know, managing the culture, managing the team members. So I want to ask you, what are your top three, we'll call them leadership or management tips? Okay. So number one, do not do not outgrow yourself. So this is an This is also a, a mistake I see a lot of people make. You know that are, you know, mid twenties, um, early twenties. You know they find success in sales. They want to immediately jump up to the highest level of leadership or open up their own business. Because you're very good at sales, does not mean you know how to balance a business. Does not know that you understand taxes. Does not understand that you know insurance and. There's a lot of other things that are going to pull you away from the time in which you spent being good at that, which takes me to my next step is, you know, leadership and ownership and entrepreneurship uh, tips is be funded well enough for where your business currently is. You do not have to compare yourself to a Tesla, you know, or an Apple. You're not going to go get billions of funding overnight. But you could start a business with, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars, you know, depending on the industry, maybe fifty to a hundred thousand dollars, and start gradually and be a, you know, be self-employed, be on the grind with your team, your staff, if you will, and embrace it. And then allow your business to grow at the right pace. Do not try to go from one person to 80 people overnight because you're gonna have a lot of bad practices that are gonna just sweep away your business. Um, you have to have you know, systems, and that's the three. Have systems in place, and kind of goes back to tip one. Um, you know, I think people go to college, university for four years or five years, or they may work at a company and learn from people. If you're in a new industry and you do not have established you know, uh, principles in that industry, you're gonna to wanna to work somewhere where you could use their money to learn, right? And be able to establish those principles and perimeters. And then after that, Matt, you could go out and learn how to maybe start in another industry or go start in that industry, or you have an opportunity to work your way up in the company to go show so much value that, you know, there's a lot of business owners out there that would say, hey, I don't want to lose you. I'm willing to, you know, give you equity to stay here because of what you've brought to the table. You know, so that would be my tip. Um, you know, I, I should say three tips to, you know, new entrepreneurs looking to enter that space. Awesome. Incredible. So, Brian, a lot of people see, you know, successful person like yourself and they I think a lot of people think it's easy and they see the top. There, there's this I love this visual. It's like this iceberg and underneath the water is like 10 times deeper of all the issues and problems and stresses. So I just wanted to ask you, like, what? What was the, what led you to where you are? Like, what were the almost, this could have gone a different direction moments that you had to go through yeah. leading up to lifestyle? Because I know you've been through multiple um, opportunities before you ultimately decided, you know, I can't take this anymore. I'm starting my own business. And you didn't care at that point what the risk was, what the ramifications was. It was kind of like burn the ships and we're all in. So, yeah, share, share with us if you're willing about what led you to where you are today. Yeah, I, I, I you know, always bring it back to 
Probably the toughest summer of my life was summer of 2017, um, the year our company was founded. So was working, you know, and been part of three opportunities in the last 15 years and, you know, took tons of pride in first. The second was working for Solar City. Elon Musk was the chairman. Um, you know, the gentleman I, I was up in Boston with, um, Taylor McCarthy, is, you, know, you know, brought that opportunity to me and did dynamic there. I mean, absolutely loved my career there. Um, a lot of the people I work with today were a part of that opportunity. And, you know... You, you were crushing it at that point, right? Yeah. So, like, like what happened? I think the last month, we were like... Our business was 50% of the entire East Coast that I was overseeing, like, business at that time. And, you know, at, at that point, um, we were all asked to get onto a Zoom call. And the CEO of the company was, I think took about 20 seconds to just let everyone know they're they're deactivated and the entire division um, was no longer uh, part of Solar City and this was after Tesla acquired Solar City so looking back it was the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me because so it kind of wait, put me into that, that you were making tons of money yeah. young kid and literally in 20 seconds it went All to zero went yeah and I remember um, calling up my supervisor and he was, you know, let me know, hey, I'm already on my way to a competitor to meet with their CEO. And, you know, I found this out about 30 minutes ago. Um, and it become a, if you will, recruiting frenzy for all the competitive solar companies and industries because at that time, Solar City was the, the titan. We were the giant, you know, it was led by Elon Musk. And, you know, we were, we made up, I think, like 50% of the entire solar market nationwide, or it was some crazy number at that time. But the problem that I had is Pennsylvania at that time had no other solar companies. It was so new. Interesting. So, you know, I went to New York. I, I met with uh, about three companies. It was a group, about 10 of us that went up and we heard everyone's, you know, pitch on why us, why us. And then we went out to Utah, met with more solar companies. And, you know, I was just at this point exhausted, you know, trying to unravel what in the world, why did they lay off 5,000 people, you know, overnight. And at that time, um, we ended up all going to, you know, one company, um, you know, they had offered us, you know, a hefty amount of money to go. And it was a amount of money that overnight will probably bring me back to why I would not sell. Um, immediately, you know, my bank account doubled. Um, and I, you know, was in my head like, holy heck, this is the greatest thing ever. Just got more money than, you know, I was at Solar City with overnight. And then I, I you know, that summer went through the most stressful summer ever. You know, there was no solar brought to Pennsylvania. You know, I've seen a lot of people I work with day in and day out for the last, some of them 10 years at this point that were absolutely miserable that they took that opportunity. And, you know, a lot of that blame, you know, well, came. If, that, if there was no solar brought to Pennsylvania, what was the opportunity then? It was just to resell alarms, resell other products. So they told you it was something and then it happened to be something completely different. They said the economics did not make sense for them to come to Pennsylvania. Because they paid you that money. We were locked were essentially in. locked in. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I, at that point, I sat down, I said, you know, th this can't be my life. I, I just, I went out of this and, you know, I called up one of their executives and I said, what do I need to do to get out of this? And at that time I'd known five, six, seven other people that already left, went to other companies and kept the sign on money. But it just, you know, really is not in my DNA to do that kind of stuff. And I, I said, what do you need? They said, send us a certified check. Um, to make it out to this, did it overnight? You gave it. the money back. You gave yeah. it back. Okay. Literally gave it back, and at that point, I made a decision to start my own company. Um, you know, and I will tell you, coming out of that summer, you know, I felt like if I was able to overcome what I just overcame, and you know, not and be able to move on, I could accomplish anything. And at that time, that's when we, you know, founded Lifestyle, and. You know, it originally started reselling other products and um, Sprint Wireless was one of them. And, 
you know, uh, long-term that led me to other relationships and other business ventures that I did not know would help stir up lifestyle. Um, you know, led me into starting a digital marketing business. Um, you know, it led me into understanding other avenues, other entrepreneurs. Um, so at that time is when we got called, I think a year and a half, two years into the business or some something. And we were asked, would we be willing to take on a solar company to come to Pittsburgh at that time? And, you know, we didn't want to seem too desperate, you know, and we were, you know, absolutely, you know, um, if the, you know, the, everything uh, works out right. So we, we actually flew down to Charleston, Palmetto's headquarters and, you know, met their CEO, um, met a other couple of team members, you know, we felt the synergy was right. Um, and at that time, you know, we started hitting the ground running uh, we didn't really skip a beat. And, you know, that's where I would say five or, or now six, seven years later, we grew into, you know, we're their largest vendor, one of the largest solar sales vendors in the country. And, you know, now I've grown into operations. So, you know, when I look back, if I would have just kept the money, put my head down and just been miserable with what I was doing, um, a lot of people would have done that, you know, because, you know, the, the money was substantial, especially at that time. Um, you know, but it was the best decision, Matt, I could have ever made to go start a business and, and give that money back and, you know, understand what I want to create. And, you know, to that at the first question you asked, I mean, uh, selling the business, it brings me to that same point. I made a decision once over money. Um, I would not do it again. And I think that's uh, the movie Moneyball. I think that's, yep. you know, also said in that movie, you know, where he says, I made one decision in my life over money when uh, their their GM of the Oakland A's passed up working with the Red Sox that it would have made him the highest paid GM in sports at that time. And he said, you know, it was that loyalty. And that's the loyalty that, you know, I have to my team and, you know, wanting to work with them and seeing their careers grow. Um, you know, if if I'm able to do something, I want others to be able to do it as well. Well, it's crazy how like the bad experience for the right person shapes the good and what you create in the future. I mean, the bad experience of like that money being thrown and then the control and then you, you know, when you recruit someone, you said it's, you tell them the good and the bad of the job. They know what they're doing before you, you know, which is incredible. And I think what I took from this, several things, I think the loyalty, I don't think you've ever burned a bridge in your life and, and as such, you've had all these contacts that have fit together in a puzzle piece to create the success that you've had. Um, but there's no such thing as a wasted job or wasted time. I mean, I think every skill set you've learned from the opportunities you had leading into starting your own company, as you said, just have such direct correlation. Mm -hmm. You're leading 140 people, but you've also been on the ground in a sales role before, so you can relate directly to those people. You've had the business experience of mentors. So I think that's just so important to highlight very clearly because a lot of people want to find the right thing at the right time and just want to jump right there. But it takes a lot of pain. It takes a lot of you know consistency and, and education is everything. I mean, I, I've always heard the, the right advice and like your 20s, don't worry about what you make. Worry about surrounding yourself with the right people. And I think that's exactly what you did, which has led you to where you are today. Yeah, I, I would I would agree, and you know one thing I would add to that, you know a you know when you talk about the network is you know the timing may not always be right, and you know I look at you and I's careers, you know we split ways, working together, and maybe even you know seeing each other as much early on in our career, and then about ten years later, eleven years later, you know we now talk often, we see each other often, because we both put our heads down, went and you know, respected with what one another did. We never burned a bridge, number one. But number two, you know, we understood that down the road, there's going to be opportunity to align. There's going to be opportunity, you know, as, as you know, I invest with you and your company. And, you know, I do it with confidence uh, because I've seen you have that same similar tick and work ethic um, that, you know, myself and a lot of others I get to work with have, you know, and, and that's something that. that I respect uh, mightily. So... Right back at you, brother. Well, uh, Brian, thank you. I think this will be so beneficial to the audience of, of all ages, of all paths of life. Thank you for being so uh, authentic, transparent, being willing to share uh, the ups, the downs, and the, the growth, and, and really just 
you know, your goals and the purpose-driven um, values of your company. So thanks again for your time today. Hey, absolutely. Thanks for tuning in to uh, our podcast. Hopefully you found this helpful. Really hope this is as beneficial and impactful to as many people uh, across the nation as possible. So hit the follow button. Uh, make sure to rate the podcast and please share uh, with any friends or family members that would also find this beneficial. Thank you very much.